Welcome into College Golf Talk. Burko and Brentley with you. It is the middle of November. The holidays are just around the corner, and we're going to wrap up our 2021 edition of the pod, Brentley. And moments from now, your good friend, my good friend, our good friend, Lance Ringler from Golf Week is going to join us. We're going to get his thoughts on what he has seen transpire over the course of the last couple of months. I think he might agree with some of our thoughts. And Knowing Lance, he might disagree with plenty of others. (laughs) Yeah, Burko, it's uh, good to be on for one final college golf talk of the year. Maybe we can squeeze in a couple more before before the turkey gets in the oven or something like that. Uh, That is aggressive because on this Wednesday that we're we're recording this, the turkey's going in the oven in eight days. Yeah, but I have turkey for Christmas also. Do you not eat turkey on Christmas? I have gone in the last... Six, seven, eight years of cooking filet. Okay. Filet, some shrimp, a little surf and turf. Um, I'm with you, though. I sort of grew up on the double dip of the turkey, but have gone the filet and even some salmon from time to time, change it up. So Hmm. there could be some special guests in the offing, if not this year, hopefully early in 2022 in College Golf Talk. As always, brought to you by our good friends at Velocity Global, Velocity Global seamlessly connects employees and talent anyone anywhere anytime anyhow and its global work platform is built on cloud-based technology compliance expertise and unmatched scale in 185 countries in all 50 united states we know it the world of work is forever changed talent can live anywhere work for anyone get the job done more than a thousand businesses engage Top talent in another state or another country without the need to set up a foreign entity or registration. They rely on Velocity Global to make it simple and compliant. Velocity Global accelerates the future of work. To learn more, visit velocityglobal.com slash golf. Thrilled to have them on board. You're down in South Florida. I'm up in Central Florida. And Lance Ringler's who the heck knows where he is? Maybe somewhere in the Midwest you're joining us on this edition, Lance. Where Indiana, where where are you floating around these days? Sweet home, Indiana. <laughs> there you go. Always good to catch up, my friend. Fall season in the books. Brentley has come up with a litany of topics and questions that we're just sort of going to rapid fire, have a, a bit of a conversation, if you will, dialogue. A few months in to name image likeness in college golf where are you with what we've seen but maybe importantly or more importantly what we haven't seen in college golf with the nil i was just going to ask you again what nil meant because uh we haven't seen anything really (laughs) so um you know it was a it was a big topic it was a hot topic late in the summer um and other than a kid earning a few extra dollars for hitting some balls at uh, his local Chamber of Commerce golf scramble. I haven't really heard of much that really moves the needle when it comes to these college golfers getting paid. I'm sure there might be a few out there that we have not heard of. Some people might be getting a little bit more somewhere along the line. But for the for the most part, I, I don't think this has really developed into much of anything. And um, maybe it still will, but I think it was a lot of, a lot of people were really scared of it at the beginning. 
but I think it's working itself out. I mean, one thing yeah. I, that I remember going back and forth with someone on Twitter about was I think what we're going to find out is uh, really how much these college golfers are really worth. A lot of them thought they were probably worth a whole lot more than what, what uh, the market's really going to show. So, um, like I said, I, I, we haven't heard a lot about it. I don't know. I, I would assume you guys might say the same. Uh, maybe we still will down the road um, if we have some something come along that that warrants that. But I don't think it's a it's a big deal at this point in time. Well, Lance, uh, I, we have seen people driving around in Cadillac, right? <laughs> yeah, for what four, <laughs> four or five days. Yeah, that that's true. Well, what what about TikTok? Yeah. I mean, you're you're uh, pretty well versed in that that <laughs> sphere. I mean, could could people uh, potentially earn money via TikTok or? Yeah, I mean, but not not the big money. I mean, like I said, I mean, maybe a, a few hundred dollars here and there. Uh, like I said, the biggest story I've heard is a player from a mid-major school uh, went out to his home, went back to his hometown, and uh, hit drives for everyone in this golf scramble. And I think they paid him like a thousand dollars for the day. Um, that seems to me where most of these kids are going to probably get their money is back from their local their local area, their hometown, somebody wants to have him involved in something. As far as, you know, the bigger money, you know, if there was a, you know, a Colin Marikawa or Matt Wolf or, you know, Victor, one of the, you know, the year we had a few years ago when we had three big name players that were really drawing the attention of the nation, or the, I guess the, the golf public, the, the professional world was seeing these kids. Maybe there would be something there, but I don't know. I mean, like you said, there's social media. Yeah. Instagram, um, TikTok. there's some value there, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's what we thought we were going to see in college athletics, at least with golfers. Well, I'm with you. And you said something earlier, Lance, and I sort of spin it not with a negative connotation, but I think these players found out how much they're not worth because I thought a, probably a handful right. of them believed they were going to make a lot of money. We saw the three, Oklahoma State Cowboys at the U.S. Amateur wearing the local uh, Cadillac dealer from Stillwater. And like you mentioned, the Chamber of Commerce in a hometown. I think you'll see a lot of local flavor. Eventually, there might be a big domino to fall by a top flight uh, golf club company that maybe everyone else will follow it. But everyone I've talked to, they're very uh, timid in jumping all in and offering a lot of money on a relationship that would end by the letter of the law once they're done college golf. I'm a big believer these companies aren't doing it to have them go somewhere else when they turn professional. So I think they're trying to really see who's going to be their first one to dip more than just their toes into the water. And potentially we'll see a domino effect down the line, maybe with somebody like a Rose Zhang or a Rachel Heck. I think there might be more attractive opportunities on the women's side right now. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that aspect, Berko. I mean, we're, we're already seeing it with Rachel Heck signing with XL. And um, I think Julia Johnson from Ole Miss has had a couple of things that I've seen on on social media. So I, I definitely agree with you there. It's it's kind of like the local gym or maybe some sort of off-brand, non-golf apparel brand, maybe a workout brand that sponsors some of these kids. Um, but I don't know. I mean, hey, we saw Lucy Lee a few years ago get sponsored by Apple. Well, not sponsored, but she was an Apple commercial. Um, but again, that's, I don't know if that's going to happen. Lance, you and I, yeah, I think this. we will at some point, like, 
Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was just following up. I think we'll see more of it. I think we'll see more of it at some point. Uh, right now, I just don't think a lot of people really understand it real well. Don't know how it's going to work. I mean, when you talk to some of the club manufacturers, the people that represent them, they're just they don't really like you said, Burko. They don't. They're waiting to kind of test the waters or jump in. They don't really fully grasp what's going on. And uh, you know, like we thought it was going to be a big deal right out of the gate, and I don't. It's not, and it might be at some day, but right now, it's just not a big deal. I think Lance needs to sign an NIL with like America Online Broadband or something. His his internet's terrible. <laughs> Maybe like AT and T, Uverse. Oh, it's bad. It's terrible. But that's all right. That's what podcasts are all about. You know, they they, they don't go perfect. Um, you know, it's, sometimes they're a train wreck. But we're gonna have fun. I'm seeing and hearing you guys fine. Yeah, don't listen to him. He's this you, young. You look like a Minecraft character right now. <laughs> All right, let, Berko, let's, yeah, let's Lance, move on. Brentley doesn't appreciate where he referenced the AOL, where we used to dial up on our phone line. I still have my AOL email as my personal account from the mid-1990s. So to heck with you, Romine. I'm hanging in with AOL to get the job done. <laughs> I digress. We saw a change, uh, Lance. With the women's regional formats moving forward, um, pretty much to mirror the men and maybe done from the standpoint of what we saw with the regional getting washed out. I believe it was LSU. Uh, You like the change? Was it a needed change? Is it just simply to make sure we don't have a washout moving forward? Good topic. Um, I don't really think it had much to do with the washout, I feel like this was already being discussed for several years, maybe two, three years. The women had been progressing towards this. Um, so having having it for the washout, I mean, all they had to do for that is just add an extra day, build in a weather day, and that would have been just fine. Um, this move, I think, this is my prediction. In the long run, it's not going to be a good move. It's going to be much more difficult than these teams realize because now when you're playing for four spots, if you end up, the numbers tell us, I've kept the stats on the men's regionals, teams that host get out a lot. Uh, teams that are, even teams that are seated outside that number are still getting out of the 50% clip. So now you send a three, four, a five seed to a place where you have a six or seven seed hosting. The numbers, you're, you're, you're probably not going to beat them. So now you're playing for three two spots sometimes, and the only way that this was really going to make a lot of sense is if they would have increased the championship field size to match the men. The women only get 24 teams at the Nationals. If they had went to 30, okay, now we're back. Now we're doing the same thing the men's doing. I I, I don't think it was a – I don't have a, a strong opinion on whether or not it should it, – it, good or bad. I just don't think it's going to be what they think it's going to be, and I don't think they should have done it. I'm okay with it. But I, I, don't, I don't think there was a need in doing it, in my, in my opinion. I think, and going back to kind of what you touched on during your answer, Lance, I, I think the, the bigger need is to let the top seeds host. Because you're talking about the tops or the host seed or host school gets out at a 50% clip. Is, how is that fair if the host school is a nine seed or an eight seed? Um, I, I mean, I don't know how you would do this. I mean, I guess there's plenty of ways to do it logistically at a last minute notice, but I mean, take the top 
six teams from the fall and let them host. The problem, Brittany, is it's not a 50% clip for the host teams. It's a 50% clip for the host teams outside the number. The teams inside the number are like 90%. So you're getting the – That's even worse, though. I mean, imagine being this – imagine being a team from California, but they're better than a seventh seed. So it's going to be really difficult for teams to get out. And a bad nine holes – or even a bad 18, it's going to be really hard to recover from. And I think in time, it's going to probably be, a, it's going to show that it's going to be a little bit more difficult in this format. Yeah, I think it's going to be extremely difficult. And, and you hit on the key thing. When I saw it go from four to six, I said, oh, they must be going from 24 to 30. And then when they keep it at 24 teams going, again, you've crunched the numbers of host schools. We know that's easy money relative through the years to get through, you're going to see the potential of a lot of top 15, top 20, top 25 teams, wrong venue, wrong day. Their season's going to come to an end rather quickly. So um, I'm sort of with you there, Lance. I'm not sure why maybe the need or why the thinking was this was the best way to do it. Um, Let's watch regionals in 22 and 23 and 24 and then make that comparison of maybe how many top 25 teams don't get through that maybe otherwise would have been in the old regional uh, format of just four. A couple of things that piqued my interest when I looked at our rundown from uh, Mr. Brentley Romineland. We're going to debate some topics. We'll start with the men, then we'll have the same five or six questions for the women. Anyone that's listened to this pod has heard Brentley and I go back and forth, but we have a fresh new valuable voice in the world of college golf. So Lance, right now, for the men, who is the best team in the country and why? That's that's tough because there's there's several teams who have gotten off to good start. But um, obviously you know, the numbers point towards an Oklahoma um, being the top team. But I'm not so sure North Carolina – Regular season-wise, they might lack some of that postseason grit. Or, but look, Brentley's shaking his head at me. They might lack, lack some of no, that. I'm speaking um, to Burko's ears, right? I mean, that's just music to Burko's ears. North Carolina. No, I'm just I'm impressed every time. I mean, they, you know, they've come out this, this one one at Olympia Fields. I mean, that that's usually teams win Olympia Fields made up of of teams that can win a national championship. And I don't know, there's just something about that team that I feel like I might give them a slight edge right now. Now, obviously, there's there's a lot of teams, you know, Pepperdine's going to be good come later in the year, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. We, we, we know some Arkansas off to a good start. We know there's some really good teams out there. But if you're putting on the spot outside of Oklahoma, which is who I always go with being number one in, in our poll, I would lean towards – I'd like to see – I can't wait to see what North Carolina does this spring. Very, very smart man. That is why we have Lance Ringler on. The podcast. That is what we think in November, Lance. Who do you think the best team will be six months from now for the men? Yeah, that's 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 difficult. There's, I don't know because the, the whole match play thing. You know, who knows who's going to end up being the team staying after they get down to eight teams at, at Greyhawk next spring. I that that's just too. I I don't even want to pick pick a team at this point. It's just so difficult. Oh, I mean, you'd go right dude. back to your Pepperdines and your your Pepperdines and your Oklahomas and Oklahoma States and teams like that 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 seem to have gotten there in the past but um I don't know I I I don't know I I would probably still I would still stick with North Carolina a little bit and see if they can't 
they can't keep it going. They had a little bit of success there last year. So we'll just, we'll just wait and see on that one. Well, since Lance doesn't want to answer the question, Burko, I'll, I'll answer. And <laughs> you gave me a little bit of a hard time on our signing day show when we were at the end projecting kind of what was going to happen this spring. And I threw out Texas. Um, I know I've been on Pepperdine in Oklahoma, but I don't know. I, I had al- almost kind of a epiphany the last week or so. I just have a feeling that everything, the stars are going to align for Texas. The Cootie Twins, Cole Hammer, they're not going to be worn out like they were a spring ago with the Walker Cup and the tour starts and all that. I think Travis Vick, we saw glimpses of it at the U.S. Amateur we saw glimpses of it during his first couple years in Austin, but I think he's going to play a lot better. Mason Nome is developing into probably the best five guy in the country, or at least one of them. Um, I know Joey Versich at Pepperdine um, could probably make a good case for that. Um, but I don't know. I, I just think uh, Texas is kind of the team that you no know, like people aren't going to be thinking about. So maybe the rest of college golf sleeps on them and they show up at the right time. You know where I stand with the Longhorns. Talented, impressive, veteran-led. They need to win golf tournaments. Through the years, they've had slow falls in different springs. And you go back to Greyhawk this past year. It was over before we got there for the Texas Longhorns. I think you breed, uh, winning breeds winning, Lance. We've seen it. And that's the one question mark I have when you look at Texas. I don't want them limping in or having peaks and valleys. If you're the Longhorns and head coach John Fields, we saw it at Merido on our air. They let that one go through their fingertips. And I think they know the pressures on them with three seniors, and again, all these veteran talented players, if I'm the Longhorns, you've got to go win two, three times before the postseason, in my opinion. I agree. But I still like Texas. Yeah. Lance right. is going to be – Lance is eventually going to pick Oklahoma at, at some point this spring. So we'll, we'll just have to wait on that. Good chance of that. But, I mean, you know, you think about it too. The gap, the gap is – we say this every year, and I think this year – there are so many good teams right now. I mean, we haven't even talked about some of the surprising teams, you know, that have really like the Kansas. We haven't seen Ole Miss yet. I only played a couple times. Uh, we know Illinois is probably going to get better. Um, there's just so many teams. Arizona State, we can't count, the, count them out. We haven't even mentioned them. It's That's what's so exciting about it is that there's, there's so many teams once we get there. And we saw the run by Sam Houston State last year. Who's to say there's not another mid-major that's got that kind of run in them coming come May. So it's, it's, it's exciting. I think it's really difficult to narrow down and, and point out, you know, same thing with teams and individuals. There's just not, there's not that dominant, dominant force out there this year on the men's side. You just touched on it, Lance, some of the teams, which team has surprised you the most on a positive uh, light for the men over the fall? Well, I think you'd have to look at Kansas. I mean, they're a borderline top 10 team with what they did in the fall. I mean, we all know Jamie Brunel's a, a really good golf coach and the schools he's coached at, he really hasn't had the opportunity of being in that, that big name power five school, but he's got Kansas playing really good golf. I mean, so that, that's probably the big one. 
The other one is I'm really excited. It's a mid-major team, but Wright State. I'm just really excited to see what they can do. You know, obviously they, they're a borderline at large for an at-large bid. Uh, then you know a team like that that comes in can get through. It's just really exciting. I mean, that that's the, the fun part about college golf is all these teams that are lingering down in the 30s, 50s, 60s, and and it, it, those, those teams, you know, Kansas, Wright State, they're, they're a lot of fun to follow and watch on a daily basis when, when live scoring is going on to see what they can produce. And the excitement that, that they generate within their athletic departments is, is really fun to follow. And so I'm really – those two teams come to mind, Burko. On the flip side of it, which team for the men disappointed you the most in this fall? Um, I think, you know, you always look kind of at the Pac-12 area, and it's really it's, – I don't know if it's disappointment or – Obviously, USC reloading, whatever, new coach. Uh, UCLA just trying to get get things going again. Um, those two teams, anytime you have those kind of caliber programs that really are way down outside the number looking in after the fall, I mean, you'd probably start right there with those, two, with those types of programs. Yeah, it's intriguing, Brentley, when you consider what JT Higgins inherited when he went to USC. I mean, we had them on our air in the fall. I looked at their starting five. Truly didn't know much about him. It was a complete yeah. reboot, reset. Uh, and then Derek Freeman, the longtime Bruin coach, gonna gonna hang it up in the in the spring after uh, 15, 16, 17 years. So uh, for the Trojans and Bruins, not even to forget about factor. Lance touched on it. They might not even at this pace get a regional bid. Who do we think is going to get that job? UCLA. That's I hear just a the question I've heard the last question. week or so. A, I've heard the purses yeah, are a, not it's, open. It's a tough, yeah, I was just going to say it's a it's a tough job because it's hard to attract someone to LA just because of the cost of living alone. I mean, you got to pay them so much it, it, that limits your pool. So you're probably looking at people right out there in that area right now. There's there's one name that comes to mind. It's Chris Sambry. You know, would would he, would he? You know, he's in the neighborhood. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it's probably going to, it's probably not going to be a big head turner. It'll probably be somebody who's familiar with that area and someone who's either there or been there, or it's easy for them to relocate there again. It's just, it's just a difficult job to fill in my opinion. Yeah. I Chris, think- Amb- Chris Ambry for those Brentley that don't know, you know, longtime USC coach, it was like, go uh, just over a year ago. But from what I've heard, there's no big checkbook to Lance's point. It's not going to be a head turner. It's likely going to be a really nice assistant that's going to get a pay bump and live in a one-bedroom apartment. I think it should be Lance Ringler. I mean, he was just out in LA no hanging partner. out with all. Yeah, he, he was. He was just. Uh, he was just out in LA hanging out with all the horror talk TikTok people in LA. I mean, I think he could <laughs> just move the family, move Landon, and uh, you know, be a Hollywood Hollywood star. I don't know about Lance, that. Lance, I, 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 I think it's snowing where you're at. I'm looking behind you. It looks like the no, the weather has has turned in Bloomington. It's uh, it's 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 raining, but it's uh, 60 degrees here today. So. Oh, okay. You know, maybe that affects the Wi-Fi somehow. But um, anyway, <laughs> what's what's our what's our next maybe. question, Burka? <laughs> well, uh, we, we we touched on the men. We're gonna flip it over to the women because Brentley and I. All fall long, Lance, have talked about Stanford, the Cardinal, a perfect four for four, winning in Hawaii without their three best players. From a historical perspective, 
We've talked about Duke in 03-04, Arizona State in 94-95, where they never lost the tournament, tied San Jose State at the regionals on their way to winning it all. Where do you put Stanford in this early fall sample size in terms of potentially being one of the greats we've seen in women's college golf? Yeah, I mean, they're right there in the conversation. Uh, there's no question. Uh, but, I mean, I, I put Stanford 1A and I put Oklahoma State 1B right now. I'm not so sure Oklahoma State wow. uh, is not too far behind. I mean, Stanford has bigger names uh, and is going to play – you know, they both play top-ranked schedules uh, come end of the year. But, you know, I'm not going to I'm, I'm not gonna put Stanford in that conversation right now without also listing Oklahoma State because they're running the table right now as well. And, unfortunately, they're not going to play each other, I believe, this year. Uh, I was trying to set up a dual match in the desert, uh, but I don't think it's going to work uh, between the two. But, yeah, it uh, – yeah, they're both really, really good golf teams. And anytime you have – teams going undefeated, uh, they're going to merit some conversation. But I do agree that Stanford probably has the better likelihood of doing something like that than Oklahoma State, uh, just because of the star power they have. But uh, it's going to be fun to watch, and you know, which one of these teams loses to the team first and, and what happens come, you know, Greyhawk time. It's going to be it's going to be a fun one. Well, hopefully we'll have that duel in the desert between Stanford and Oklahoma State. We'll just do it in late May at Greyhawk for the national championships. On that same topic, Rose Zhang, a perfect three for three. You and I covered Lorena her sophomore year when she won eight out of ten. Her first seven came in second, the other two. She still has a, a mountain to even get into that conversation. How surprised are you? how easily the transition has been for Rose Zhang. Top-ranked dam in her world. We know how good she is. But she's literally just coming to women's college golf and sort of waved everyone by in the left-hand lane, and she hasn't looked back. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit surprised that – and maybe she is that good. Um, but also maybe – the, the the pool of players at, at the top of the women's game in college golf is not as good either. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from Rose because obviously she's a tremendous talent and she's transitioned very well. Um, th- that's going to be fun. I mean, that's, that's the fall season was just a little taste of what we're going to see. There's so many more tournaments, so many more uh, bigger tournaments that she's going to play in. I think the trick may be for her differently from Lorena is there's, it seems to me like in today's game, there's more distractions and her being able to stay focused and, and, and win college golf tournaments, I feel like might be a bigger challenge than what Lorena dealt with. I mean, we all, you know, Lorena, the social media wasn't like it is now uh, the, the temptations to play, you know, maybe a, a pro event or, or to look ahead are a lot more um, is, is more in her face now than maybe what Lorena might've saw or even players obviously with players that were playing that had historical seasons before Atlanta. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I am, I'm a little surprised and, and it will be interesting to see if she, how long she keeps playing the way she is in the collegiate game. That's a good point, Lance, with Rose, because once the spring starts, she, we already know that she likely probably has the ANA um, or whatever it's called now. Um, yeah. There's probably going to be, 
another pro tournament at some point. Now, will she say, hey, I'm going to play my one major that I'm going to focus on the team? I think we'll likely see that. But at the same time, Burko brought up a good point with social media and then also media in general. There's a lot more people covering college golf right now. There's a lot more exposure to it with it being on TV. She's going to be hearing every single day, are you turning pro? Are you going to come back for a sophomore season? Now, her mental makeup, does that bother her? Maybe it doesn't. But I, I know for a lot of players, at some point, they get tired of hearing it, and then it becomes a distraction. So I think that's kind of the main goal for her is just to not maybe listen to the noise so much and not worry about what she's going to do next year and just kind of focus on, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, one tournament at a time. Um, but heck, I mean, Stanford could win without her. They've already proven they could do it. So, yeah, and throw out the Augusta National yep. Women's Amateur, another opportunity. And well, well, that's during the the A and A. Yeah, yeah. She's got a choice to make. And then we talked about Stanford shorthanded in Hawaii. Rachel Heck, Rosang go to the Spirit. I went there for the final day in Trinity, Texas. Rosang wins that event against the best, you know, a handful of the best amateurs. In, yeah. in the world. So it's, I was curious to get Lance's thoughts because we know Rose is good, but I mean, I think we're all amazed at how seamless the transition has been going to be a lot of fun to watch her in Stanford. couple minutes left, Lance, what team has surprised you? What team has disappointed you for the ladies in the fall? Um, surprises. I mean, it's a lot of the usual suspects. Um, you know, I don't know, obviously if you had to look at one team that may, it's obviously you go to a mid-major team at San Jose State, being a, a top ten borderline team. Um, they're obviously really good. Uh, there's a lot of history there. Uh, disappointments. I mean, any. I mean, Duke's ranked outside the top ten, right? So it's a disappointment. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's you know Arizona State, obviously not off to. Uh, it's it's what we're probably going to see. Um, it's so hard at this point because some teams have probably only played. 30% of their schedule, 33, maybe 35% of their schedule. So, um, you know, we'll know a lot more come into February and, and then we could probably really nail that down a little bit more. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I think it's, it's, it's the same old, in women's college golf, the power fives just dominate and we're seeing a lot of those same teams near the top. There's been so many disappointing teams, I think, on the women's side, when you look at LSU and Ole Miss and, USC to an extent and Georgia, Virginia Tech, um, you know, I, what, you know, asking this to both of you guys, what, um, what team are you maybe most concerned about? Because we know USC is going to add Amari Avery this spring. So that will certainly bolster them. Ole Miss is probably, I'm not too worried about them, but is there a team that you may be most worried about? I'm going to say Old Miss. Just the I mean, Sorry. Yeah, I'm going to go with Old Miss from the standpoint. It has been an indifferent fall. They've had a player leave because things got too tough. Didn't think it was going to be so difficult. Packed their bags, went back to Europe. They had the come to Jesus talk, if you will, with the rest of the team. And I, to Lance's point, they still have two-thirds of their season to go. You would hope if your head coach, Corey Henkes, Julia Johnson, after winning the Annika, has not played well. She has struggled mightily for a first team all-america selection if she does not get her game back up to that level i think old miss is in a world of trouble in trying to defend especially when now with the regional changes 
Now it's easy to go there. They have a good recruiting class coming in for next year, but as a national champ with a good bulk of the players back, uh, they did not play very well. I'll give them a slight pass, but I think if that remotely continues, Lance, um, they won't have to worry potentially about trying to defend a Greyhawk. I think that's the little bit of a hole they need to dig out of. Yeah, there's no question if you had to pick one team, it would be them because they're defending national champions and they're under 500 right now uh, as, as far as one loss record goes. But like I said, I mean, I, did, did you really expect them to be in the top five again? I don't think a lot of people did. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't – I don't know. I think that, you know, a little bit of a, a, a down downward trend for them and then back up, you know, after some good recruiting or hitting the transfer portal, as a lot of coaches are doing nowadays. But, uh, it, you know, most of these teams are only, you know, 35% of, into their schedule. So there's still another big chunk before we can really say, okay, now it's time to sound the alarm bells. Yeah, to, to me, I, I think the team that I'm most concerned about is probably Georgia, just because the last time we saw them, they were 13th at Stanford's event. Their best player, Jenny Bay, only got through 18 holes before she had to withdraw. She's been battling injuries for, I mean, gosh, the last at least year and a half or so, um, going back to last season. So I say the Bulldogs only because if they don't have Jenny Bay, they're probably not making it back to the NCAA championship. If they have her, they're deep enough to where if everyone's hitting, they could potentially be a match point team. Uh, but she's got to get healthy first. Always fun to spitball. Lance Ringler from Golf Week. We could go deep into the afternoon and early evening, but always great to catch up, get your thoughts, spin it forward, moving to 2022. All the best to you and the family. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the holidays and uh, appreciate you coming on. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. Happy holidays to you as well. Lance Ringler from Golf Week. We love him. He's out there with us. Brentley, a parting shot. As we wrap up this pod uh, in the middle of November. Yeah, well, ap- apologies for for the Wi-Fi in the connection, but hopefully you guys can make out what, what we were saying. Um, I'm, I'm not in the ideal location. So my New Year's resolution, looking ahead to January, is going to be maybe upgrade some equipment, maybe get a nice little mic, maybe, uh, I don't know. By, hopefully by... Next season, I will have my office. We're doing a renovation on our house. Hopefully, I will have my office. I get a little podcast studio set up in there, and uh could be a lot better. But, yeah, just excited to to get to the break. It's been a long year, um, as I know you've experienced as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it should be exciting. Uh, I mean, Stanford might be one of the best teams of all time on the women's side. This might be the deepest competition for the NCAA title on the men's side. There's going to be a lot of great, you know, competition and uh, jockeying back and forth in PGA Tour University. And I mean, heck, it's college golf. Anything could happen. And I'm just excited to rest up a little bit and then get back, uh, you know, for three or four months of uh, college golf. Absolutely. Recharge the batteries, eat a lot of turkey, eat a lot of pumpkin pie, go crazy, and uh, we will surf do it and again. Surf as well. And, well, and that's surf and we, turf. Yeah, I'm going to try that this year. It's, it, we just changed it up. We have the nice lasagna after Christmas Eve mass, and then a little more laid back, the 
grill outside and, and just, you know, the wine flows, Santa comes and drops off gifts and everyone's happy. Man, I need to be, is, is there some sort of place where I can sign up to be one of your kids, Burka? Because that sounds fun. Well, you know, sometimes the way they act, we could swap out. You know, you can give us two for one deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, always a pleasure. Great stuff, my friend. Uh, best to you and your bride. Great holidays. And uh, we will do it again in 2022. And for everyone listening uh, to our podcast, College Golf Talk, all year long, we certainly appreciate the loyalty and uh, look forward to having you back at the start of the new year. Happy holidays to each and everyone. We'll see you soon.